اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الف لام را تلک آیات الكتاب و قرآن مبین ربما يود الذین کفروا لو كانوا مسلمین ذرهم یأکلوا و یتمتعوا و یلههم الامل فسوف یعلمون آمن باللہ صدق اللہ العلی العظیم صلو علی محمد و آل محمد اللہم صل علی محمد و آل محمد و عجل فرجہم Chapter number 15, Surah Al-Hijr of the Holy Qur'an is revealed after Surah Yusuf, chapter number 12 of the Holy Qur'an. And we stated in the previous weeks when we discussed Surah Yusuf, as well as a few minutes ago, just when we gave ourselves a, a quick catch up on what we had been speaking about in the previous weeks, we stated that Surah Yusuf, chapter number 12 of the Qur'an, was revealed upon the death of Hazrat Abu Talib, sallamullahi alayhi, and her eminence Lady Khadija, sallamullahi alayha. And so the content of Surah Yusuf is doing a number of things. It is responding to the death of those individuals that were the bedrock of the strength and backing for the Prophet Muhammad in so many different ways. The Prophet, of course, had the emotional strength given to him. He had the financial strength given to him. His life was also protected by the reputation and authority of these great individuals. And even though the Muslims had been forced into the Sha'ab of Abu Talib, these individuals gave everything in their way to be able to protect the Muslim community. And so the story of Surah Yusuf seeks to give comfort to the Prophet and say to him that your life will follow certain similar patterns to that of Prophet Yusuf. You, like Yusuf will be kicked out, exiled from your own house by your own family members. Like Yusuf was dropped into the well, you too will also be taken out of your house by your own family members. The same way you will see that Yusuf rises to authority within his new community, you too will also see that you become an authority within your community. The same way that Yusuf sees his brothers coming to him and as a result he now needs to react with magnanimity. He now needs to react with patience. The same way you will also see that you become victorious over your own family members, your own community, your own tribe in Mecca. You too need to respond in exactly the same way with the same magnanimity, the width of the heart that you are able to deal with these very tough people and these very tough emotional moments. Having known that this is the theme of Surah Yusuf, and this is in the particular period of the challenges upon the death of these grand individuals for the Prophet Surah Al-Hijr chapter number 15 is revealed immediately after this. So there is no need for the Surah to then follow on in the same theme. 
Because if the theme of Surah Yusuf has been to console the Prophet by telling him, you are facing the same sort of situation that your predecessors, the prophets before you, also faced. And I am promising you that you will have your upper hand on them and that here is the guidance on how you should react when you have the opportunity. There is no need for him to re-reveal such a theme of a surah. Rather, Surah Al-Hijr takes the discussion forward immediately after this and now speaks to the issue of the hearts of the disbelievers and the hearts of the believers and specifically speaks to why the disbelievers act so hard-heartedly the way in which they do, but also speaks to the heart of the mu'mineen and tells them that they need to remain patient with one another, that they need to be able to remove the hatred that is in their own hearts for each other, the mu'mineen, and actually speaks to the multiple issues about how peace should enter into their hearts, despite the difficult situation that they are in. This is the major theme of Surah Al-Hijr, chapter number 15 of the Holy Quran. So as ever, we look to the multiple different ways of establishing the, um, uh, the themes and how we elucidate on the themes of a particular chapter. So you're always welcome to join the conversation. This is a uh, live stream on Hujat YouTube uh, on the ELC page. And so you're welcome to be able to write your comments, to be able to ask your questions, make your feedback. As ever, we need to be able to mention there are six different ways in which we can establish the themes of the surah. For example, we look at the name of the chapter. We look at, for example, the beginning and the end of the chapter, the opening and the closing. We look at, for example, the uh, ahadith about the, uh, uh, the chapter itself and what the various different um, thawab or merits are for reciting the chapter. We look at the history of the chapter when it has been revealed. We break it down into chunks to be able to see the sub-themes of the surah. And we then look at the theme of the surah by looking at the spine of the surah. And we also look at what comes before it in the previous chapter, how it might actually have concluded and that how it leads into the subsequent chapter. What you and I, inshallah, are going to be doing is we're going to focus a lot on the opening and the closing of the surah, the fawatih and the khawatim, number one. Number two, we're also going to focus in detail on the spine of the surah. What we're going to look at is a number of verses that are going to speak regarding the heart in the surah, and you'll see how this becomes a recurring theme in accordance with the opening and the closing of the surah. And actually what you'll find is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to speak about the reasons as to why the enemies of the Prophet were so hard-hearted and they could do what they were doing. And to then speak to the believers and say that actually you would have your the problems of your heart, the envies, the hatreds, the dislikes removed from your heart and you should enter into a state of peace. Now again, I reiterate, think about when this surah is revealed. It is revealed 
after the lengthy period in Sha'b of Abu Talib where now the Muslims are forced to eat grass and such things. And the Muslim community who are in the very hardest of situation and of course would themselves have arguments amongst each other. They themselves would be you know, finding it difficult to live with each other under such circumstances. And that you will see in these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses them after the death of Abu Talib alayhi salam, Lady Khadija alayhi salam, and the difficulty that they're going through after their great resources have been taken away from them from this world. We'll talk about this in a few minutes as we develop on the spine of the surah and we look at the multiple verses in accordance with it, inshallah. Al-Hijr, chapter number 15. The name Al-Hijr, what does it refer to? Translated as the rock, because indeed Al-Hijr does translate to the rock. However, which rock is being spoken about here? The rock that's being spoken about here is that Al-Hijr is the location of the people of Thamud. It is the area in which the people of Thamud live. And you'll all remember, I'm sure, who the people of Thamud are. Thamud, their prophet was prophet, Salih, salamullahi alayhi. And not only this, was it the people of uh, Prophet Salih, alayhi salam, you'll also remember that there are key elements to the story of the people of Thamud. Of course, you'll remember that they slaughtered the she-camel of Prophet Saleh alayhi salam. But you'll also remember that they hewed out, mount, uh, hewed out their houses in the mountains. Yes, you'll remember that they had these giant mountains and they would actually hew out their houses such that they believed that because that they were in the mountains, nothing could destroy them. And so from one perspective, the Al-Hijr speaks to what? It speaks to the name of the area of the people of Thamud. Number one. Number two, the second perspective of this would be that the reason why it's called the rock is, or the, the, the location is called the rock is because, of course, the mountains were made of stone, made of rock. And so the people of Thamud, what did they do? They hewed out their houses from within the mountains. And so they would live in these particular areas. And so you could imagine what it must have been like for them. Number two, the third reason as to why it was called the rock, and this is from Tadabbur, looking at the theme of the surah, is that the hearts had become hardened like rock. This is important. As I stated earlier on, what you'll find is the theme of this surah refers to what? Hearts. Hearts of the disbelievers, hearts of the believers. And why their hearts become so hardened? And how Allah promises to make the hearts of the mu'mineen soft towards one another. How this is going to occur in dunya as well as how this is going to occur in akhirah. So we have three reasons. One, Al-Hijr is because of what? Al-Hijr is the name of the region of where the people of Thamud are. Number two, the mountains were made of rock. And this is what the people of Thamud used to live in. So they hewed themselves out their houses from within the mountains. And they thought that these mountains were going to be strong enough to withstand the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, based on tadabbur, 
is Al-Hijr actually refers to the hearts of the Mu'mineen and the, sorry, hearts of the Kuffar that are as hard as stone itself. And remember in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does speak about those hearts that are as hard as stone and that actually the water can come gushing out of it when the water breaks through. And you'll remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran speaks about the different types of hearts that are there. You'll remember that there are those hearts in which there is a disease in it. You'll remember that there are those hearts that gush forth with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so uh, you will remember even when the Quran speaks about such hearts, it refers to this. If you turn to Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter number 2, verse uh, number 74 in your Qurans, chapter number 2, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 74, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Thumma qasat qulubakum min ba'di thalika fahiyya kalhijarati aw ashaddu qaswa. Your hearts, he's speaking to um, Banu Israel. And after they sacrificed the cow and started returning back to idol worship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that their hearts had become like stone. Then your hearts hardened after that so that they were like rocks, rather worse in hardness. It's a very beautiful, very important imagery that is being made. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that uh, the, 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 um, the hearts of Banu Israel became even harder than rocks. Rocks are tough to break. Now imagine if Allah is saying the rocks are hard to break. In Surah Al-Hijr, and Hijr refers to the mountains, the types of rocks that are not rocks on the ground that are tough to smash, the types of rocks that are mountainous rocks. How hard is it to break through a mountain? So Allah is saying to the people of Quraysh, your hearts are hard like mountainous rocks. This is, of course, from Tadabbur. ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبَكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ Your hearts hardened after that. So they were like rocks, rather harder than rocks themselves. وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْحَارِ And surely there are some rocks from which streams burst forth. And surely there are some rocks which split asunder so that water gushes out of them. So here you have three types of hearts. Harder than rock. Rock that can be broken and a bit of water comes out. And then hearts which the water gushes out of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَحْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ Then surely there are some of them who fall down in the fear of Allah. Allah is not heedless of what you do. So Allah is explaining the different types of hearts. 
And the fact that he uses the word hijr in the Quran to refer to the hard-heartedness, Surah Al-Hijr, yes, is speaking about a location. But from the Quranic perspective, as you'll see in this Surah, as we go through the spine of the Surah, you will see that the heart is mentioned in this case. And so actually what we can say is that Surah Al-Hijr appears to be pointing to the idea that the people of the Quraysh, those who received these verses first and foremost, Allah is telling them, your hearts are as hard as the rocks that make up mountains. And as I stated in this surah, you will see why this comes about. And he also speaks to the mu'mineen and their hearts as well. Okay. Now, let's turn uh, to... Um, Let's have a look at uh, how Surah Al-Hijr was revealed. And let's see the history of Surah Al-Hijr uh, for you and I to be able to reflect on. Surah Al-Hijr, as we stated, is a Makki Surah. And as we stated, it is revealed after Surah Yusuf. So that makes it that it is the 54th chapter to be revealed in the order of revelation what you know by now as the tartib and nuzuli the order of revelation itself that it was revealed as the 54th chapter in the order of revelation as you know it is in the tartib al-mushaf in the tartib in the actual order of the quran in the collection of the quran surat al-hijr is the 15th chapter there has 99 verses and therefore it is revealed in the latter period of the Meccan era in the last three years when the Prophet announced his prophethood in Mecca. Now, let's have a look at some of the uh, ahadith around uh, the fadl of the surah. That if you are going to recite the surah on a regular occasion, what are the uh, merits, what are the rewards for the person who regularly recites Surah Al-Hijr? The first hadith comes to us on Rasul Al-Akram on the authority of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. قال من قرأ سورة إبراهيم والحجر أعطي من الأجر عشر حسنات بعدد من عبد الأصنام وبعدد من لم يعبدها Whoever recites Surah Ibrahim and Surah Al-Hijr, Allah would be giving to him or he would receive from the Ajr 10 hasanat, 10 blessings for every number of those people who worship idols and 10 hasanat for every individual who does not worship idols. So of course in the context, either you are muahid or not, Either you are a monotheist or you are not. Therefore, either you are going to be worshipping these idols or you're not, which means in totality of humanity, you get 10 hasanat, 10 blessings for reciting Surah Ibrahim and Surah Al-Hijr together, one after another. Another hadith, وَعَنِ الْإِمَامِ الصَّادِقِ صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهُ وَسَلَامُهُ عَلَيْهِ our sixth Imam alayhi salam is narrated to have said, "Man qara'a surat Ibrahim wal-Hijri fi rak'atayni jami'an fi kulli jumu'atin 
لم يصبه فقر أبدا ولا جنون ولا بلوى. We mentioned this hadith last week in regards to the thawab that one receives when they recite Surah Ibrahim and Hujar, uh, Surah Hajar uh, in, in your Turak Asala together, so in their entirety. So you would recite, for example, Surah Ibrahim in the first Raka'ah, Surah Al-Hijr in the second Raka'ah after your Surah Al-Fatiha. If you do this every Friday, every Friday, you would not be hit with poverty ever and nor would you be hit by going junoon and wala balwa and you would not have catastrophe descend upon you inshallah by the uh, permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala other ahadith actually state that if you recite surah al-hijr on a regular basis you will receive the reward of the number of ansar and muhajireen so this is another hadith that we came across. If you wish to be able to recite these surah, inshallah, you will get those thawab bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Now, let's have a look at the opening and the closing of this surah. It's very interesting because actually there is a lengthy set of ayat and ahadith that speak about the opening of this surah and the closing of this surah. And personally, Surah Al-Hijr is one of my favorite chapters of the whole Quran. Obviously, every Quran is your favorite. Every chapter of the Quran is your favorite. But I think in terms of some of the, the, the messages that are mentioned in Surah Al-Hijr, they are very, very unique. And you will see that at times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us some subtleties that are briefly expanded on elsewhere in the Quran. But these are deep um, points that can really, really be taken on in life. And Surah Al-Hijr, as I stated, is one of my favorite surahs in the entirety of the Quran. Let's have a read of the beginning. Um, we're going to focus on a little bit of tafsir, a little bit of commentary from the beginning to uh, get a full vision of what the beginning of the surah is talking about. Because it may be that someone reads it, but they may not appreciate some of the depth that's being spoken about that you and I can take away. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alif Lam Ra Tilka Ayatul Kitabi wa Quranim Mubin Alif Lam Ra These are the verses of the book and of a Quran that makes things clear, evidently clear. So in this what you have is two words, right? You have or you have three things. You have ayat, which are verses, of the kitab, wa Quranim mubin. So you have ayat of kitab, and you have a clear Quran. Allah here is saying that um, you actually have two things here, the kitab and the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to be able to mention. It's very interesting why Allah has to state these two words in the same sentence. Now, as I said, we're not doing tafsir of the whole surah. We're, we're looking at the themes. So we only look at verses that are going to be in accordance with the themes. So we're, uh, we'll go along as we can, inshallah. Often, will those who disbelieve wish that they had been Muslims? Very interesting. Remember when this verse or when this surah is revealed. We're going to come back to this often in the discussion. 
The Sha'b of Abu Talib the Muslims have been living in there month after month. The two great supports of the Muslims have now died. As we stated, Abu Talib and Lady Khadija And so who's on top? On top, of course, are the Quraysh and the rejectors of Islam. Who, of course, is in the most difficult of circumstances? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, the Muslims in the 10th year after Hijrah. Or, sorry, my apology, 10th year of the prophetic movement. Yet the verse says, Rubama, possibly, it might be, perhaps, The disbelievers would love, they would wish that they could be Muslims. That's very intriguing, isn't it? Because surely you would imagine that the disbelievers who are on top, who are causing so much torture for the Muslims, they would be happy where they are. They would be satisfied in the situation in which they are in, almost destroying the Muslim movement, placing it into such an economic turmoil, almost pushing it to a point of destruction itself. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens this surah by saying, you will find that the disbelievers wish that they could become Muslim. Now immediately a person will imagine that this is about the Akhirah. And indeed we will come to it about the Akhirah. There are a hadith that speak about when this will be the case. And we'll come to it. But imagine you are receiving this verse now. Because these individuals, they don't believe in Akhirah. The kuffar of and the polytheists of the Quraysh, they don't believe in the Akhirah. So yes, they're being told there will come a time when you would prefer, you would wish to become Muslim. But imagine you were receiving this verse now as a Muslim in this circumstance, when you've lost everything, your support mechanisms in Abu Talib and Lady Khadija And imagine you are a non-Muslim, you are on the upper hand, what would you be thinking if you received this verse? Often those who disbelieve would wish that they could become Muslim. We'll come to this again in a few minutes, inshallah. Now Allah continues in verse number three. Leave them. Let them eat. Let them enjoy. Let them have long hopes. In the end, they will come to know. Now let's break this down for a second. Dharhum, leave them, is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran as well. So for example, if you turn chapter 43, verse uh, chapter 43, verse 83, turn in your Quran, chapter 43, verse 83. Surah Az-Zukhruf, towards the end of the surah, verse number 83, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uses the same statement. He says, فَذَرْهُمْ يَخُوذُوا وَيَلْعَبُوا حَتَّى يُلَاقُوا يَوْمَهُمُ الَّذِي يُعَدُونَ So leave them to do what? Plunging into false discourses and sporting vain, vain desires until they meet their day which they are threatened with. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, just let them go about what they're doing. 
in Surah Al-Hijr, Allah says, Dharhum, yes, leave them, but not leave them in their sports and their vain desires. Ya'kulu, for them to eat, filling their bellies. And enjoying themselves. Why? Why specifically mention this? Why mention let them eat and fill their stomachs and drink to their heart's content? Because the Muslims didn't have that. They were the ones that were pushed into the sha'ab of Abu Talib alayhi salam. They were the ones who were forced to eat grass. They were the ones to be forced to live in the pens of sheep and eat with the sheep like Bilal salamullahi alayhi. Bilal, as you may know, I mentioned in previous lectures, Bilal, his master was Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf, when he found out he was a Muslim, famously, you know that he had a black stone placed upon his chest outdoors in the sun, directly in the heat of the Arabian desert. And that was a crushing blow upon his chest. What else happened to Bilal was that he was forced to eat and live and sleep in the pens of the sheep. Allah is saying, I know that you're suffering. I know that you have very little food and drink available to you. Darhum, let them eat it. Let them enjoy themselves. So it's directly in response to their circumstances in which they're finding themselves in. They're finding themselves in hunger without food. The opposition are enjoying lavishly because of the economic blockade. Allah is saying, don't worry, let them go on like this. And let them, you see, amal, amal in the Arabic language means extended hopes. Long, you know, something that's going to happen way in the future. It's like me saying, you know, you're going to pass uh, school and then you're going to get to university and then you're going to get a good job and then you're going to uh, become a millionaire. You see, that millionaire point might be 5, 10, 20 years down the line, but you have your plans to get there, right? These are long-term hopes. So Allah says, amal." So let them have hopes that are going to beguile them. What hopes? Of destroying Islam. What hopes of them recapturing these Muslims and turning them back into kuffar and polytheists? Now, fasofa in the Arabic language, sofa means something again in the future, way in the future. So what's interesting here is we have a conversation going on. We have a statement that says, at this moment, Rubama at this moment, the kuffar, they wish that they could become Muslims. But also in the future, you will know that they will wish to become Muslims. Don't worry. Leave them to enjoy. Let them do what they're doing. In the future, way ahead, they will come to know. Now, traditionally, the way this is being understood is that it's speaking about the Day of Judgment and what happens at the end of the Day of Judgment when these individuals are cast into the hellfire itself. There, there are a number of um, different um, verses and a hadith to be able to speak about this. Turn, if you will, to your Qur'an, Surah Al-An'am, chapter number 6, verse number 27. 
chapter number 6 verse number 27 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that the disbelievers would long to become believers when they reach the hellfire so what does it say they wish that they would become Muslims according to the Quran this may occur when number one when they see the hellfire. Have a read, if you will. Chapter number 6, Surah Al-An'am, verse number 27. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Walaw tara idh wuqifu ala nar faqalu ya waylatana nuraddu wala nukadhiba bi ayati rabbina wa nakunanna wa nakuna minan mu'mineen. And if only you could see when they would be made to stand by the fire of hell. Then they shall say, if only we could be sent back, we would not reject the communications of our Lord, and we would be of the believers. So this tells us, this particular ayah tells us that when would they wish they could become Muslims? When could they wish they could become believers? At the point in which they are at the fires of hell. Now this is mentioned in the Ahadith, so, for example, there is a hadith uh, from the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi that says the following. Very interesting hadith. And it speaks not just about the hellfire for the disbelievers, but even the mu'mineen being in hellfire and then them being taken out of the hellfire. And this is when the disbelievers will wish that they could have become Muslims. Bismillah rahman rahim The hadith says the following. Either when Ahl nar the people of Nar, are gathered into the hellfire itself. And with them, amongst them in the hellfire, will also be Ahl al-Qibla, the people of Qibla, the, the, the believers, the Muslims, those people who used to pray towards the Qibla. They, some of them, will be in the fire with the disbelievers, Allah, whomsoever Allah wishes to be amongst them would be in the fire as well. So what does the verse say? The verse says that they will be those who wish they could become Muslim. When will this happen? According to one ayah of the Quran, which we just read, when they are at the fire. The hadith says that there will be people from the disbelievers and the believers gathered into the fire as well. The disbelievers will address the Muslims. Were you not Muslims? Why are you in the fire of hell with us? The hadith says. They said, yes, we, we were believers. So what was the benefit? What 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 outcome, positive outcome did you get from being Muslims if you're only going to be in the hellfire with us? You have been raised in the on the day of judgment, you've been raised into the hellfire with us as well. What good was it that you became Muslims? We did a lot of sins. And so we were snatched, we were taken and placed into the hellfire like you were placed into the hellfire, the hadith says. At this point, very interestingly, the hadith continues, فَسَمِعَ اللَّهَ مَا قَالُوا 
Allah listens to what the Muslims were telling the kuffar. We ended up in the same place because of our sins. Maybe the Arabic here that's been taken down is a little bit incorrect. Maybe it should be فَيُسْمَعُ So the pro- Allah will listen to what's being said. Either way, that's how the hadith has reached us. فَسَمِعَ اللَّهَ مَا قَالُوا فَأَمَرَ بِمَنْ كَانَ فِي النَّارِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ فَأُخْرِجُوا So Allah now will command to the, the keepers of hellfire that Ahl al-Qibla, the Muslims, should be extracted from the hellfire. فَلَمَّا رَأَى ذَلِكَ مَنْ بَقِيَ مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ the, when, when, when the kuffar see what has happened, that the believers have been extracted, saved from the hellfire, and they are the ones to remain only in the hellfire. قَالُوا يَا لَيْتَنَا كُنَّا مُسْلِمِينَ Oh, woe be upon us if only we had been Muslims. We would have been taken out of the hellfire, just as they have been taken out of the hellfire. Then the Holy Prophet recited this particular verse, Alif Lam Ra, Tilka Ayatul Kitabi wa Quranim Mubin, Rubama Yawadul Ladina Kafaru Lokanu Muslimin. At this point, did they recite, if only we had been Muslims at that point? Okay, so this is what the tafsir of the Quran by the Quran and tafsir in account of the ahadith mentions to us. However, as I mentioned to you on a number of occasions, we often need to take a step back and think about as recipients of the Qur'an, the first primary recipients of the Qur'an who were the believers at that time and the disbelievers at that time, why this verse would have been revealed then at that moment to those individuals. As we stated, the believers were being all but crushed the disbelievers were all but sitting pretty and enjoying their position over the believers. So then, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, رَبَّمَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ كَانُوا مُسْلِمِينَ ذَرْهُمْ يَأْكُلُوا وَيَتَمَتَّعُوا وَيُلْهِهِمُ الْأَمَلُ فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ Indeed, of course, they will wish they could have become believers, Muslims, on the Day of Judgment. But in that moment, it raises an important question, doesn't it? What's happening in the hearts of the disbeliever that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to reveal to them in these moments whilst crushing the believers that they would wish that they could actually become Muslims? What's going on? It's very interesting, isn't it? It might be Remember, let us perform tadabbur of Qur'an. Let us ponder you and I over the Qur'an. It might be, number one, that the disbelievers, they want to become Muslims. The message appeals to them. They love what they are hearing of the Qur'an. They love the akhlaq of the Prophet ﷺ. They aspire to it. But what's happening, what they're seeing in front of them, of the way in which the Muslims are being treated and being crushed, the way in which the believers 
are being stomped on by the Quraysh through the economic blockades, through the violence that, the, that they are meeting out against the believers. It might be that this is something that puts the disbelievers off from becoming believers. The fact that Allah states that you will see that often the disbelievers would wish that they could become Muslims, it tells us that something was going on here. Number one. Number two, the second reason is that when you are often faced with someone else who is on the moral high ground, even though it's difficult for a person to be able to accept it, they recognize that that other person has the moral high ground and they know deep within their hearts that that person is actually right. I'll give you an example. One of the books that I was just reading, I just finished uh, yesterday, in fact, it's uh, one of the uh, most famous books that have ever been written regarding uh, Weimar Germany, uh, regarding the um, Third Reich uh, in, in Nazi Germany. Uh, and it starts around 1940-1941 when the uh, French uh, are uh, defeated by the Germans. And I won't give away too much of the plot in case you want to read it. It's also been turned into a film. But basically, uh, there's a group of people that are actually resisting Nazi Germany. And they get caught. And eventually they're going to be tortured and they're going to be put to death. I mean, you all know what the... Uh, Nazi concentration camps were like. You all know about the Gestapo and what the Gestapo was like. And as they're being tortured, those who are torturing them will say, we're doing this for Mother Germany. We're doing this to protect the ideology of Germany. You are nothing. You are this. You are that. And those who are being tortured would say, if you're really on the right, what makes you act the way in which you're acting? What makes you defend murderers? What makes you act the way that you say you're on the moral right, but actually the way in which you are treating us is so morally corrupt and bereft of the words that you are truly aspiring to? And in the story, you will see that those who are crushing, those who from the Gestapo are murdering and torturing those people who are doing any sort of resistance in the story, many of them, they realize what they have been doing, whether or not they accept it or they don't accept it is another thing. But in the core of their hearts, they become awoken to the torture that they are meeting out to those who are actually innocent of torture. And they wish in the story that they wish that they had the moral fortitude. They wish that they had the patience of these individuals that are being crushed through torture. That is the human state. A person whose heart has not yet been completely dismantled through evil will still have something within them that says, yes, I recognize what you're saying. Truly, you are on the moral right, even though you are being crushed. Second reason. That the Quraysh themselves were crushing these Muslims. And the extent of the crushing had become so bad that they were in the sha'b of Abu Talib alayhi salam. That they had so much, the economic blockade had gone, the, the, the backbone of the Muslims in Abu Talib alayhi salam, Lady Khadija alayhi salam had been taken away from them. Yet when they saw the way the Muslims were reacting with their iman, 
the way in which they saw the Muslims acting with their sabr, the way in which they saw the Muslims act with their akhlaq, even, even then, the Quraysh had within their hearts a recognition they are truly on the path of truth. They truly are on the path of God. We wish we could be like these people, but we don't be. We can't be. And in this surah, you will see why they can't be, what has happened to their hearts to make it that they cannot open themselves up towards Islam. رُبَّمَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَّرُوا لَوْ كَانُوا مُسْلِمِينَ ذَرَهُمْ يَأْكُلُوا وَيَتَمَتَّعُوا وَيُلْهِهِمُ الْعَمَلِ فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ Okay, that's the opening of the surah. Come to the closing of the surah now, inshaAllah. Now you'll see again the heart is being mentioned here, yes? Verse 96. You come to the end of the surah, verse number 96. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. الَّذِينَ يَجْعَلُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ Those who set up another God beside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ They will come to know. They will eventually come to know what they have done all along. وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُوا أَنَّكَ يَذِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ Surely we know that your heart, your chest becomes narrowed. Straightened at what they say. It was tough for the Muslims to bear what was being said about them, what was being done to them. You remember, Yadiqu Sadruka. We often say in that dua, even though it's not uh, a dua from Imam, Salamullahi alayhi majma'een, we say, Right? So the, in the absence of the 12th Imam, the, the heart, the whole world has become restricted, very constricted for us. Even the skies, I mean, it's just become so narrow for us, the fact that we don't have access to our Imam. And then, you know, it goes on, Ya Muhammadu, Ya Ali, Ya Ali, Ya Muhammad, Ikfiyani, Fa'innakuma Kafiyan, and so on. وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ يَذِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ We know that your heart, your chest becomes very constricted by what they say. So Allah says how you should respond. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ How should you respond? Celebrate, glorify the praise of your Lord. وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ And become of those who become prostrators before Allah. وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى Worship your Lord until certainty comes to you. So even though you may not have certainty, worship until certainty. What's being said again? The heart. Allah is addressing here the heart and saying continue to worship on until the heart becomes certain of what you have done. Okay. Now what we're going to take is the spine of the surah. And <clears throat> then we'll just break the surah into chunks. And inshallah, we will have completed the theme of the surah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take various verses that talk about the heart of the kuffar and polytheists and the heart of the Muslims. And you'll see how Allah contrasts the hearts and why these hearts end up being the way in which they are. Okay, as I stated, the heart is the central discourse of Surah Al-Hajr. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. If you read now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in a central verse, key to the whole surah, the whole surah in my humble opinion, as I stated, my humble opinion, 
pivots on this verse, verse number 12. Have a look at verse number 12. But it starts a little bit earlier, verse number 10. Verse number 10, And certainly we send apostles before you amongst the nations beforehand. And there never came to an apostle, but they may mocked him. Right? This is a, a, a recurring theme within the Quran. Allah says that I sent to people before you, messengers and prophets, and each time that they were sent, they were mocked just like you, Ya Rasulullah, were also mocked. Okay. Now you'll also remember that because in the closing of the surah, we just mentioned, Allah says, He knows it's difficult for your hearts to bear what they say about you. Verse number 11, when they mocked the Prophet, it affected the Prophet's heart. Now, verse number 12 is a central verse to the spine of the surah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kadalika nasluquhu fi qulubil mujrimin. Thus do we make it kufr, abst- uh, you know, being obstinate against the truth. Thus do we make it kadalika nasluquhu kufr. To enter into the hearts of the guilty. What happens? They do not believe in it. This message. And indeed the example of the previous people has already passed. Now Allah, having stated that their hearts are filled with kufr, and Allah allows that kufr to enter into them. Now I want to show you, Allah says something phenomenal. I mean, and I I say phenomenal, I mean just mind-boggling what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the extent of the kufr in the hearts of these individuals. Remember, what does the opening verses say? They wish they could become Muslims. Well, why don't you just become Muslims then? One, as we stated, they didn't want to try to suffer and undergo what the Muslims were going. But here now Allah goes into detail. Says, do you know what happens to the heart of these people? Shall I tell you how darkened it's become? The following. Have a read of the subsequent verse. Verses 14 and 15. Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. وَلَوْ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَابًا مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ فَظَلُّوا فِيهِ يَعْرُجُونَ Even if we were to open up to them a gateway to heaven, even if they were to see heaven with their own eyes and they were to ascend into it. And even if they were to go into heaven, how would they respond? Certainly they would say, only our eyes have deceived us. Our eyes have covered us. The word sukkirat here is from sakara. Sakara meaning to become drunk, to become intoxicated. They would say, our eyes have become intoxicated. We can't, we don't really believe what we are seeing. It's like we're drunk. Laqalu, they would certainly say, innama sukkirat absaruna bal nahnu qawmum mas'hurun. Rather, we become enchanted. We're a people that have become enchanted by the magic of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Think about this very deeply. Allah is saying, even if I took these people into heaven itself, they would reject heaven. Can you see that? 
Can you see what's being said here? لَوْ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَابًا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَظَلُّوا فِيهِ يَعْرُجُونَ Even if they were to go up and ascend into it, فِيهِ, they would say, we don't believe. How hard-hearted do you have to be to go into heaven and still disbelieve? Allah mentions this elsewhere in the Quran. If you want, turn to chapter number 6, Surah Al-An'am, verse number 7. Chapter number 6, verse number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَلَوْ نَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ كِتَابًا فِي If we were to send to you a writing on paper. You know the Quran, they said, why, isn't we, why do we see this paper coming down? Allah says, even if I was to send you a paper from the heavens. فَلَمَسُوهُ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ And they were to hold it in their hands. If you were to even hold a paper, a scroll from the heavens, what would happen? لَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُّبِينٌ The disbelievers would say this is not, nothing more than, um, you know, سِحْرٌ مُّبِينٌ Nothing more than clear magic. This is how hard-hearted, how hard-hearted these individuals are. Now it's interesting, if you turn in Surah Hijr, just skip ahead to verse number 72. Verse number 72 of Surah Al-Hijr, just skip ahead. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَعَمْرُكَ إِنَّهُمْ لَفِي سَكْرَتِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ Most surely you are wandering intoxicated in the life that you live. Can you see that? It's a play between these two. They would say, if we went to heaven, they would say, we're, we're drunk. We're not really seeing heaven, we're just drunk. Allah says, in dunya you are acting like you are drunk. You are stumbling around blind in this world because of your disbelief. Allahu Akbar. It's amazing how Allah puts these two um, images in front of us to understand what's being said about the hearts. Okay, so this is how hard-hearted the mushrikeen are, that even though they believe, even though they want to believe some of them, Allah is saying that there are those who are this hard-hearted for their situation. Okay, now <clears throat> if you turn ahead, uh, we continue on in the discussion of the spine of the surah, right? About the hard-heartedness and the soft-heartedness of the, of the believers. Verse number 32. Verse number 32. Please skip ahead to verse number 32 of Surah Al-Hijr as we continue on in the skeleton, the, 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 the theme, the central theme of the whole surah itself. Verse number 32. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now introduces the story of Iblis. And what he shows is that Iblis himself has a hatred within the heart and has a type of blinding within his heart that stops him from being able to believe in bowing to Adam. Verse number 32. Ya Iblis. مَا لَكَ أَلَّا تَكُونَ مَعَ السَّاجِدِينَ Oh Iblis, what excuse do you have that you are not amongst those who have performed sajda? قَالَ لَمْ أَكُنْ لِأَسْجُدَ لِبَشَرٍ خَلَقْتَهُ مِنْ صَلْصَالٍ مِنْ حَمَئٍ مَسْنُونَ I am not such that I would become obedient to a mortal whom you have created of essence Fashioned out of mud. What's being said? 
Iblis has become so obstinate within his heart. Even though he sees truth, he knows truth. The obstinacy that exists within him will stop him from bowing. Now, of course, you know here, bowing isn't literal. You're not allowed to bow to another human being when we talk about sajda, right? You know, it's tahiyyah. It's a, uh, like when we say salam and tahiyyah, it's a, it's a veneration. Adam alayhi salam was supposed to be venerated by the angels and by Iblis. He says, I can't do it. How can I venerate Adam and go into obeisance when he is just another human being? Now, you remember at the very end of the surah, Surah Al-Hijr, what do we say? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you want to truly show you're obedient? فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ Be amongst those who prostrate. That's an evidence that you really do believe. Your heart is softness, soft enough to not be obstinate. It's the opposite that's coming here now. Okay, so you can see here what's happening in the heart of Iblis. The reason as to why he cannot do sajda is because the hard-heartedness that exists within him. Now verse 39. Look how hard-hearted, how hard-hearted Iblis really is. قَالَ رَبِّ بِمَا أَغْوَيْتَنِي لَأُزَيِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ لَأُغْوِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ You have caused me, Allah, you have caused me to live an evil life. You see, Blame on whom? Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. You've made my situation. You've made me act the way in which I've acted. And as a result, I'm going to make everybody else turn away from you as well, is the promise of Iblis. إِلَّا عِبَادَكَ مِنْهُمُلْ مُخْلَصِينَ Except the servants who are the devoted ones, whom Allah has made them devoted to him, such as Ahlul Bayt, Salamullahi Alayhim Ajma'een. Now, what you can see here is what's happening in the heart of Iblis. There is hatred, and I'm bringing this up very specifically. Please make a note of this. There is hatred in the heart of Iblis. There is envy in the heart of Iblis. There is jealousy in the heart of Iblis. There is obstinance in the heart of Iblis. And all of these things stopped him from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he was ordered to do. Ahsan, Sister Shanaz has just written the comment that exactly the point I'm about to mention. Allah is comparing whom? The people of Quraysh to whom? Iblis. You want to believe. You know the truth. It's in front of you. In fact, something inside you tells you. But something is blocking you from being able to do that. What is that thing? The kufr that was in the hearts of the fi qulubil mujrimin, as we stated in verse number 12. Iblis saw the throne of Allah. Iblis saw the heavens of Allah. And I say paradise of Allah. Saw it. He never went into it. He saw it. Yet he would not believe in what Allah told him, correct? Allah says in verses 13 and 14, even if I was to make the Quraysh get into heaven, they still wouldn't believe it. They would say we're drunk. Can you see that? This is how hard-hearted the heart of the disbelievers are. Now, let's continue and try to conclude the spine of the surah quickly. Verse 46 or verse 45. Verse 45. 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن المتقين في جنات وعيون those who are muttaqeen guard against evil shall be in the midst of gardens and fountains udkhuluha bisalamin aminin they would enter in a state of peace and security salam here is important aminin is important what's being said is that this will be the state that they get into so again allah is referring to the peace the tranquility that is going to be within them now look at this verse 47 next verse وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ إِخْوَانًا And he will take out, he will remove whatever rancor, whatever hatred is in their hearts and he will make them إِخْوَانًا, brothers, عَلَى سُرُرٍ On thrones, raised couches, متقابلين, facing one another. Why do you think Allah has to tell them that they're going to be in this state? Because it was beginning to get tough. It was already tough. But after 10 years of the way in which the Quraysh had been mishandling, abusing the Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, look, you guys are getting, it's difficult for each other. You might be turning on each other. You might have dislike for each other as Muslims. But actually what needs to be in your heart is the opposite of what these people have in their hearts. They are the obstinate ones. You can't be the same. They are the envious ones. You can't be the same. They are the ones that hold grudges. You can't be the same. In paradise, all of these things will be taken out of your heart so that you can live in tranquility. If you want to live in tranquility in dunya, also take these things out of your heart. It's a very famous saying. When you hate someone, actually it's you that suffers. They don't know you hate them. They don't know what's in your heart. They don't know how you're thinking about them all the time. They don't know what occupies your mind. Really inside you, you are the one who is suffering. وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ إِخْوَانًا Allah will take out, root out whatever rancor is in the hearts of the believers. وَلَا يَمَسُّهُمْ فِيهَا نَسَبٌ وَمَا هُمْ مِنْهَا بِمُخْرَجِينَ Toil will not afflict them, nor shall they ever be ejected from this beautiful state. Obviously, you know that they were in such a difficult situation. Allah is promising them, toil will not come to you in Akhirah. نَبِّئْ عِبَادِي أَنِّي أنا الغفور الرحيم. Inform my servants that I am forgiving, merciful. Again, look at the qualities that Allah is placing in front of him. وأن عذابي هو العذاب الأليم. But also at the same time is the balance that I will punish those people who need to be punished. Verse number fifty-six. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. قال ومن يقنط من رحمة ربه إلا ضالون. Allah is now addressing. That there are amongst you those people who are beginning to lose hope. They are beginning to to really um, despair in their situation after 10 years of the way in which the Quraysh has treated them. Allah says, whoever despairs of the mercy of Allah, they cannot be any but the erring ones. As we showed you here, this is about the hearts of these individuals and how they are supposed to be with their internal state. Ahsant, someone called Fats. I'm going to assume that's Fatima. I don't know. Being angry at someone is like letting them live rent-free in your head. 
Exactly, exactly the point that we're saying. So the sifat of the mu'mineen is that they don't do that. Because where does that come from? The sifat of Iblis and Quraysh. That when they hate someone so much, it blocks them from being able to interact with them properly. It blocks them from being able to have love for the other person, to have compassion for the other person, for what they are really doing. It becomes a veil between them and their reality. So here, and there are many other verses in your own time, I don't want to take up because we're coming um, close towards the end. This is the spine of the surah. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here is the internal state of the believers versus the internal state of the disbelievers and why they are like this. And what you'll see is throughout the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks, for example, about uh, Ashab al-Hijr, um, the uh, people of Thamud, and that they believed that their houses made of rock would protect them. And that they could even slaughter the sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, showing how hard-hearted that they were. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in this surah that he will protect the Qur'an. He will protect the message of Islam. He says this in a number of occasions. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, in verse number 9 famously, We have revealed this Qur'an, the reminder, and we are most certainly going to be the protector, the guardian of it. Verse number 87, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also talks about the central verses of the Qur'an, which is Surah Al-Fatiha, that this is going to remain. We have given you the seven oft-repeated verses of Surah Al-Fatiha and as well the Grand Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is talking about his promise of protecting the believers, protecting Islam, no matter how much they end up trying to destroy it. Okay, last thing I want to do is to tell you how the chapter, the verse is broken down. Um, uh, I'll read it to you quickly so you can take it and then we conclude inshallah. So the first nine verses, one to nine, are broken up in the following ways. Verses one to five are about the unbelievers will regret their actions when they see the punishment. That they wish that they could be Muslim, but stop something is stopping them from becoming Muslim. Verses 1 to 5 is about the unbelievers and their regret that they wish they could become Muslim. Verses 6 to 9 is how they falsely accuse the Prophet of having madness. Verses 10 to 15 is about the stubbornness of accepting the truth. Verses 16 to 25 speaks about the ignorance of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how they uh, will reject the signs of Allah even though they constantly come to them. Verses 26 to uh, 68 speak uh, about, um, about fighting the truth in the human nature of the person. That <clears throat> within the person there is their human nature and that at times it has to be the space, the place of battle where you yourself need to do battle within your own self here. This is the human nature that you can go this way, you can go that way. You can hate truth, you can love truth. Within yourselves is the battleground to be able to fight that war. Verses 49 to 51 is about the punishment. Verses 52 to 60 
is about Prophet Ibrahim and the angels that were sent down to him. Verses 61 to 77 is about the punishment that befell the people of Lut Again, that speaks about the struggle from within themselves, the love for the, the deeds that they were doing that they know were wrong. Again, within the theme of the heart and what blocked them from acting the way in which they were supposed to act. Verses 78 to 79 speak about Shu'ayb alayhi salam and the punishment for those people. As you'll remember what they did. What did they do? They knew they were doing wrong through business transactions. They knew they were weighing wrongly and they were obstinate in this way. And that the people of Jethro, Prophet Shu'ayb alayhi salam's people were destroyed. Again, it speaks about them knowing the truth, but their hearts being unable, unable to incline towards the truth. What stopped them from doing so? Verse number 80 to 84 is about Thamud and the people of Thamud. Verses 85 to 87 speaks about ignorance of what they do. Verse 88 speaks about the negligence of the wealth of the disbelievers. Verses 89 to 93 speaks about ridicule and a warning to those people who ridicule the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alayhi. Verses 94 to 96 tell that you must speak the truth and rely on God's support. And verses 97 to 99 help us in being able to worship Allah so that we can actually have certainty within our hearts. Now, to be able to piece all of these stories together, what are they doing? Each of the stories, this is important in your notes, each of the different stories speaks to a different reason as to why a person would become so blinded in the heart. Yes, when it speaks about story of Abraham and Lut or people of Shaib and people of Thumud, what they specifically did, what they actually were doing in their own stories are causes for the heart to be closed off, to become so aware of truth being in front of you, such that even you want to become Muslim, but you can't because those things are going to enter into the heart and cut off the heart. Similarly, the surah speaks on the opposite way, that there are certain things that will open up your heart and keep your heart soft the way it ought to be to have the opposite qualities to those people whom were being spoken about in this surah. In the tafsir, it says the following paragraph. As a result of committing sin, having ignorance and hostility against the truth, such a person will gradually adhere to what is utter ignorance and darkness. Certainly, it is possible to wipe out everything in the first stages when this reaches you. However, once it becomes embedded into one's nature, thus becoming habitual, it is very difficult to wipe out those practices. And this is what the surah refers to when it speaks about the heart of the disbelievers, the hearts of the believers, and particularly a warning to the Quraysh that what's happened is that you have taken on the practices, you have taken on the example of Iblis and the reason why he first rejected God and his prophet, you too have taken that on in your own time. Here are the other stories around you in your histories of the ancient prophets that will explain it to you as to why and how this happens. You want to become Muslim, become Muslim before it is too late. 
This is the theme of chapter number 15, Surah Al-Hijr. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa alihi al-tahirin. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad wa ajjil farajahum. We have <coughs> some 15 odd minutes until uh, Salat al-Maghrib. If you wish, we can take some questions and answers. Any comments, any feedback? I'll read out some of the um, comments that have come through now, inshallah, so that we can all benefit from it. Uh, Surah Al-Hijr is about, um, I'm not sure what, 150 MPS from Medina. Ah, oh, sorry, yes, miles, uh, I imagine. Uh, 150 miles from Medina on the highway to Syria. Yes, Ahsant. So this tells us the location of where um, uh, the people of Hijr uh, was. Another person, Salam Ja'far alaykum salam wa rahmatullah. Never thought you would become a Sheikh, mashallah. I went to school with you at Radcliffe. Hassan, Salamu alaykum Hassan. I hope you're well. Inshallah, great to hear from you. Send me a message, inshallah. Um, and uh, on my Facebook or on my Twitter, inshallah, we can catch up. It'd be lovely to be able to speak to you again. Uh, it's uh, If you're the Hassan who I'm thinking of, it'd be lovely to, to catch up with you, inshallah. I hope you're listening still. Surah Araf. Uh, verses 73 to 79, the people of Thamud and Prophet Saleh, they were proud, living in the houses, hewed out of the mountains. They were disobedient to the Prophet Saleh. Uh, people of Medina were reminded of that civilization. Ahsan, beautiful point. One person has said, Ahsan, you are very welcome, my friends. <clears throat> Allah is comparing the people to Iblis who was cursed and damned. Exactly, this is the point that we mentioned earlier on, that the way in which Iblis was intoxicated from the truth, so too were the people of the Quraysh as well. The path of the Mukhlasin is on the other hand leads to the path of Allah directly al-fatiha verse number 7 sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim wal-dallin indeed ahsant beautiful point what do they achieve from being so ignorant surely it is easier to accept what is blatantly the truth than to appear foolish in insisting upon rejection of the truth how can they not be afraid of the punishment indeed this is exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is stating in this series of verses of Surah Al-Hajr. Al Surely it is sufficient for you that these verses and this, this evident truth that is in front of you. And as we said, they are so obstinate. Allah says, even if I was to take them into heaven itself, they would say, this is nothing more than me being drunk. This is nothing more than me just having a hallucination and seeing this kind of image in front of me. If that's how obstinate they are, and within this, they even have a, a, a love, a desire, a would, a, a wish to be able to believe, you can see that such people have accepted their foolishness instead of rejecting the truth itself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from ever being like that. Barakallah fikum. Thank you so much. Are there any other comments, questions, points? Uh, anything else that uh, the brothers and sisters wish to be able to mention before we close? As ever, we remind you, please read Surah Al-Hijr. 
this week and reread it in light of the theme of Surah Al-Hijr or the themes of Surah Al-Hijr, which is about the heart. Why the heart becomes so darkened that even if you were to see truth, you would reject it. And the heart for the believers that Allah is saying, don't become like these people. You should live in a state of peace. You should live in a state of bliss. Take out the hiqad that is existing within yourselves, the enmity that exists within yourselves, so that no longer do you bear the resemblance of the mushrikeen, rather you bear the resemblance of the Prophet wasallam. One person has commented, Allah increases their wrongs, and so they become deaf and dumb, deaf and blind. Indeed, as you re- remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in Surah Al-Baqarah uh, at the very beginning. Khatamallahu ala qulubihim wa ala sam'ihim wa ala absarihim ghishawatun wa lahum adabun adeem. Mehtab Fazl, salams, alaykum salam, rahmatullah. Thank you for enlightening us regularly. May Allah bless you. May Allah bless all of you who participate in this uh, series. And inshallah, we can send out this series to many of our friends and family. It's uploaded immediately onto YouTube. It's available on the Hujjat Stanmore um, uh, podcast. Even the previous lessons are available on the podcast. So you can continue to listen to those, inshallah, if you've missed any of them. Read chapter number 15, Surah Al-Hijr, in your own time. Next week, we are then going to chapter number 16 of the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Nahl, the bee. So inshallah, in your own time, you can read Surah Al-Nahl and be prepared for the next week's lessons, inshallah. Let us conclude with a dua. Allahumma bihaqqi hadha al-Quran wa bihaqqi man arsaltahu bih wa bihaqqi kulli mu'minin madahtahu fih. O oh Allah, we ask you by the right of this Qur'an, by all of those who you have praised within the Qur'an, all the prophets and messengers and sages and Ahlul Bayt that you have praised in the Qur'an, we ask you by their right. Rabbi zidni ilma, Rabbi zidni ma'rifah, wa atmim lana anwara ma'rifatik. Allahumma kdi anni kullama alzamtanih. O Allah, increase us in knowledge, increase us in ma'rifah. O oh Allah, help us to have ma'rifah of you, and O oh Allah, we wish to uphold all of the things that we are duty-bound to uphold, insha'Allah. We ask Allah, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help all those who are suffering around the world, especially those who um, are unwell and those who are suffering with COVID. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring them home back to their families quickly, insha'Allah. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallillahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad. وآله الطاهرين